truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for hopping on board here on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you'd like to be here with us. 888-900-3393 or... You can just email the program. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's a D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you are listening today via a podcast on demand, thank you for carving out some of your time uh, to let us uh, be a part of your day. And if you wouldn't mind on the podcast platform of your choice, leave us a five-star review. Only if you like us, of course. Many of you have done this already. And uh, we thank all of you uh, that have done that. The more of you that continue to keep adding those reviews, the more likely we are to find people like you and the more likely we are to stay gainfully employed. And they speak for everybody here as well as our families. We would appreciate that. Uh, Our good friend Bob Vanderplotz is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We're going to get into, uh, it's been been a fascinating weekend theologically where there have been three separate convergences of, of instances of public prayer for and about our politicians. And it's essentially all three notions of what people want it or don't want it to look like have all happened just in the last 72 hours. And we're going to look at uh, all three of those. And then next hour, I've said, since, uh, you know, we talked about this a few days ago, the, the, the most frustrating story I've ever covered is the Mueller probe in my entire career. Because it just seems as if the truth is unattainable. And for those that are actually eager to obtain it, even if it were, it, it may not have much of an audience, frankly. Everybody just wants their particular narrative uh, side of the bread buttered. But uh, Andrew McCarthy, the former federal prosecutor, since this story began, I have uh, we've relied on him to help us kind of guide our way through uh, for some clarity. And he's a former federal prosecutor for the Southern District of New York, by the way, which is the same district that the Mueller probe was referring the likes of Michael Cohen and others to. So he knows the inner machinations of of both sides of this process very well, uh, has worked with Bob Mueller in the past. And after watching last week's press conference and then looking out and past at the last two years of events of this entire saga, he posits a theory that he thinks explains all of the confusion we're seeing here. And and we're going to take a look at what he wrote for National Review. In fact, we're going to do a pretty deep dive on this next hour because it might be the best attempt yet I've seen to just, um, you know, call BS, basically. On here, here, Let's just, you know, the year of no BS, here's what he thinks is really going on. So we're going to talk about that in the next hour of the program. Um, I saw something that uh, Matt Walsh over at, the, over at uh, the Daily Wire tweeted this morning. Said that it's fascinating to see corporations bending over backwards to be gay this month. While we're simultaneously asserting that those engaged in homosexuality are oppressed in America at the exact same time. I mean, these ads are literally everywhere. And they're just dumb in many cases. I mean, they're not... They're, 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 it's, it's the, and I say this now that I'm at the age where I, I have to be careful. I'm not trying too hard. Like there, my, my daughter had her graduate, my oldest daughter had her graduation party Saturday and she wanted me to come and meet some of the friends she works with at her job. 
and they're all her age to a little bit older. So 20, 25 years younger than I am. And I realized after about the initial nice introductions that I really just needed to quietly slink away and just move on. This is not a conversation for me. Um, It's not about me. I'm not one of them. I'm a middle-aged dude. And the worst thing in the world I could do is to like try too hard to be with it, to be in their circle, you know, nice of her to include me, appreciate it. And so I just kind of waited for my moment and then just politely backed away and talked to people more my own age rather than, rather than try too hard. Yeah. These jalapeno poppers are on fleek guys. (laughs) Yes. Wow. You guys, you guys look lit today, right? I shouldn't do that. That'd be creeper. But here's why I bring this up because you are just seeing beyond ridiculous attempts from corporations who clearly have no idea what in the Sam Hill they're talking about. That, that thing we were looking at before the show, the Budweiser thing, it's just like, dude, if I were gay, I would literally call Budweiser. I'm like, seriously, guys. You know what I mean? Just put a rainbow on a can and let's just enjoy it. Can we, you know, let's just enjoy the summer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, I mean, I'd be like, you're trying too hard and let's just, you know, Stay cool, man. Stay cool. You know what I'm saying, Todd? Do you get yeah. this vibe from corporate America? It's it's only June 3rd. We're only three days into Pride Month. I thought they did a good job bringing everybody together when they introduced Bud Light Lime. You know, right there. Yes. That was the line. Yes. And, 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 and it's another reminder that really you got to be mindful nowadays of where the places you're spending your money with. Then spend your money after you spend it with them. And it's almost impossible nowadays to live without a mobile phone. And that's why you want to check out Patriot Mobile. It's America's only veteran-led conservative mobile phone company. And they promise that when they spend your money, it's going to be for values and organizations you support, like Alliance Defending Freedom, um, uh, PragerU, uh, a lot of the names that you know and trust. And for plans, uh, with plans starting as low as $25 a month, why wouldn't you trust to make the switch right now? If you call 1-800-A-PATRIOT, make sure the uh is in there, the A, 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Use the code BLAZE when you call in. Uh, they will waive your activation fee, or you can just go online and do it as well at patriotmobile.com slash blaze. That's patriotmobile.com slash blaze. Plans as low as $25 a month, and they'll waive your activation fee when you visit that website. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Another mass shooting occurred over the weekend as a gunman entered the Virginia Beach, Virginia courthouse and started shooting. The gunman, who was later identified as a disgruntled former utilities employee for the city, killed 12 people before he himself was neutralized by police. President Trump made a surprise visit to McLean Bible Church in Virginia to remember the victims where Pastor David Platt prayed for him. Help us to trust in your word. Help us to seek your wisdom and live in ways that reflect your love and your grace your righteousness, and your justice. We pray for your blessings on our president toward that end. Speaking of President Trump, he's in London today. Sadiq Khan, who by all accounts has done a terrible job as mayor of London, has been foolishly nasty to the visiting president of the United States, by far the most important ally of the United Kingdom. He is a stone-cold loser who should focus on crime in London, not me. 
Okay, an update on the Democratic race for the White House. We'll start with Kirsten Gillibrand, who had a town hall on Fox. Your campaign slogan is Brave Wins. Yep. But when you were a congresswoman representing a conservative district in upstate New York, you took pretty conservative positions on guns and immigration. Once you became the senator for the entire liberal state of New York, you flipped and took much more liberal positions on guns and immigration. So how is that brave? It's because I came from a district that was really rural. Uh, Second Amendment was important. Hunting was important. My mom, of course, she cooked the Thanksgiving turkey, but she also shot the Thanksgiving turkey. I think the most outrageous thing that's happened to our democracy is how much fear and division and hate has been spread. I think the NRA is the worst organization in this country for doing exactly that. They care more about their profits than the American people. Some guy named Seth Moulton says the country is racist. We have a problem with racism in America today. If this country wasn't racist, Stacey Abrams would be governor. Some guy named John Delaney got booed for defying the groupthink. But we need, as Democrats, to build an economy that works. But it's got to be with smart policies. Medicare for all may sound good, but it's actually not good policy, nor is it good politics. I'm telling you. John Hickenlooper also defied the group think you won't believe what happened next. If we want to beat Donald Trump and achieve big progressive goals, socialism is not the answer. I was reelected. Elizabeth Warren was confronted by the Breakfast Club about lying about her Native American ancestry. You kind of like the original Rachel Dozal a little bit. Rachel Dozal was a white woman pretending to be black. No, this is what I learned from my family. Yeah. Yeah. And Eric Swalwell changed a diaper. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And if you can change a diaper, you can change the country. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said over the weekend, there's no dignity in being a waiter or a waitress. Any job that pays $2.13 an hour is not a job. It's indentured servitude. Nancy Pelosi, ladies and gentlemen. Because when you see what they say, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know it was wrong to talk to Russians about this. I didn't know. I said, why don't... How do how you explain that to kids in the hood? Lawmakers in Illinois passed a bill allowing partial birth abortions, meaning a baby can be killed by dismemberment as it's leaving the birth canal. The movie Unplanned won K-Love Radio's 2019 Film Impact Award over the weekend. Ironically, K-Love was the same Christian radio network who initially refused to advertise for the movie, citing its graphic content. The radical left-wing publication The Daily Beast revealed the personal information, including the name and employer of the private citizen who created the doctored video of Nancy Pelosi, which sent the media into a frenzy last week. Apparently, the person who created that video was a forklift driver from Queens, New York. And they wonder why we don't like them. Televangelist Kenneth Copeland was confronted recently by Inside Edition regarding his use of a private jet for traveling. How are you, sir? We'd just like to ask you about why you don't want to fly commercial. Why have you said that you won't fly commercial? You said that it's like getting into a tube with a bunch of demons. Why do you think that? No, no, listen to me just a second. Of course. Not the people. 
The main reason is because of the need. If, if I flew commercial, I'd have to stop 65% of what I'm doing. That's really the main isn't it true that you want to fly commercial so that you can fly in luxury? How much money did you pay for Tyler Perry's Gulfstream jet, for example? Well, for example, that's really none of your business, but... Isn't it the business of your donors? Listen, I paid... <laughs> you kind of caught me off guard here, okay. Do you ever use your private jets to go visit your vacation homes, for example? Yes, I do. Okay. Again, getting back to the comment, you said that you don't like to fly commercial because you don't want to get into a tube with a bunch of demons. Do you really believe that human beings are demons? No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. And finally... Hi, Governor Greg Abbott here at the Capitol on Saturday signing bills. I'm about to sign this bill that bans red light cameras in Texas. When, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe you're the real MVP. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage dropped a few truth bombs in there, and it's brought to you by friends at Swiss America. They like to drop some truth bombs as well. Their latest uh, truth bomb is called The Secret War, and it explains why government wants every financial transaction to be taxable, trackable, but also blockable. Uh, the report is yours for free if you give them a call at 800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. You can also check it out online at SwissAmerica.com. And our friends at SwissAmerica.com, they're telling you, keep an eye on what American company Google is doing for China right now. Uh, they are establishing for them a social credit system. If you're a, fr- a fan of the show, Black Mirror, this is my all-time favorite episode of this show, all right? And it's it's become real life. It's what they're doing in China right now. And it's another way, again, remember, progressivism's ultimate buzzword is control, all right? And so if you control the flow of money, if you control the people's prosperity, you control them. If you want to learn more about this, again, give them a call at 800-289-2646, 800-289-2646, or visit their website, SwissAmerica.com. Boy, there's, there's, there's a ton to get to in the montage today. Um, I continue to be fascinated. Part of it is, you know, my compulsion to fix things. The other is just I'm a recovering walk, and I doubt I'll ever be fully recovered. I, I continue to be fascinated, though, at these candidates that are mired in low single digits or not showing up in polling who believe that their path to notice is that they weren't crazy or leftist enough, you know? And listen, I, 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 could un- I wonder what did their consultants say to them? What do their staffers say? Talking about these Democratic candidates. And if your job is, hey, or if your goal, because I've told you guys before, if you listen and watch this show frequently, people in both parties run for president all kinds of reasons other than they actually expect they're going to win. All right. You, you want to highlight a particular issue like a Tom Tancredo. You want to raise your profile um, like a, oh, the guy that used to own the pizza joints, Herman Cain. Uh, Mike Huckabee was that way. He didn't really think he had much of a chance to win. And then, you know, you know, he took off in Iowa and then he started thinking, well, maybe I can win this thing. But originally it was about, hey, I'm, I'm a retired governor. 
you know, I'd kind of like to have a future in politics and I have a good record. Let me run to raise my profile. So this happens in both parties. All right. And if maybe people are just running because they're like, I, I, I want to leave Congress. I, who's the guy from Jason Chaffetz? They saw what he did in Utah where he got out of Congress and now has a far bigger platform as a contributor on Fox News. And if they're thinking to themselves, you know, I kind of want to do that on MSNBC, CNN. OK, then keep doing what you're doing. All right. Well, you're actually describing Donald Trump, too. And in in here we are. But, but if you think that this is a path to winning, I, I don't understand the disconnect of watching Joe Biden who unless you put the microphone to him is trying to avoid talking about any issues. And then when they do, he gives the left the talking points they want, but only when provoked. (laughs) He has to be provoked to talk about an issue, which is why it will be fascinating to see how he behaves on that stage here in a few weeks when he's on there. And they're going to want to make him talk about only about the issues. But you watched a guy come in, suck all of the oxygen out of the room. And, And how did he do it? By avoiding all of this leftist genu- or as much as the of the leftist fanatical genuflecting as he possibly could and just running on Donald Trump's a terrible person and didn't you like Obama a lot and America all right and so i'm fascinated by you watched a guy come in suck all the oxygen out of the room by running to i don't want to say the right to the normal is, is that fair sure by running to whatever we still think is normal nowadays and, and the rest of these candidates believe, and we said this with Beto a couple of weeks ago, and if you ever wondered, Steve, why do you tell your daughters if, to marry a guy they should, he needs to both love the Lord and also have had his ass beat once in his life? Eric Swellwell is a pretty good example of that. Ah, preach, right? preach. So, you know what? Whoever didn't kick his ass in junior high and high school, yo, the rest of America, an apology. I just want yeah. to say the dude code says, pay up, homie. Okay? Uh, but you know, if, if, I'm fascinated to see the rest of these guys. That's not what I warned you I was going to say today, by the way. That was, that's not it. Something worse is coming, Todd. Excellent. <laughs> but um, I'm fascinated. To, hey, we weren't crazy enough. Okay. You know, it's... Again, if the goal is I just want to be noticed by the cable news crowd, if the goal is I want to be a social media leftist icon, okay, you know, you're on the right track. But if there is no path to victory here where you're going, all of those lanes are taken. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, and I'm fascinated to watch this transpire, which is why, against my better nature, strictly for social experimentation alone, I'm going to watch that debate when they, oh, yeah. when they first get up on stage. Oh, because yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm just... All the evidence shows they're doing it. As they once said to Michael Keaton in, in the great movie, Mr. Mom, the first day he went to drop off his kids, you're doing it wrong. I, I mean, all, there is no data. There is no evidence that indicates you guys are on the right path here. It, in fact, it all says the exact opposite. I mean, uh, Scott Rasmussen is back doing his own actual polling again. He came out with a bunch of head-to-head polling for 2020, Trump against individual Democratic candidates, and he beats them all except who's the one guy he doesn't beat, do you think? Who do you think's the one guy he doesn't beat? Um, uh, Bernie. No, Biden. He beats them all. Oh, he beats them all, except the guy who's not running for the Laugh Olympics. At least not yet. Now, they're going to try to put him in the Laugh Olympics when he gets up on that stage. And I'll be fascinated to see how old Uncle Joe navigates that. It's going to okay? be like that scene in Christmas Story around the basketball pole. I triple dog dare yes, you! That's a good analogy. Yes, absolutely. Um... The Kenneth Copeland thing. Here we go. Yes. 
this is the segment of the show that I, 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 was so I gave you a heads up. So uncomfortable. You should be uncomfortable. Everything about that should make you uncomfortable. I mean, that's, that's doctrines of demons stuff. And um, here's the thing, because we're going to get into Trump's appearance at that McLean, Virginia church in a few minutes when Bob Vanderplatz joins us. The pose there. Do, can you put that picture back up, Aaron? Oh, Do you have it? You must. Of Copeland? No, Just, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Trump at that at that at that uh, Virginia church when they're yeah, praying just for give him. Me a second. All right. I, I want our audience to see this because this photo is the first is the first recorded instance of public humility. I, of Donald Trump's lifetime that I'm aware of. Whether it, I mean, look at this. Look at the hair. He comes in impromptu, came in off the golf court, golf course, I, I read, grabbed a sport coat for the occasion, comes in unannounced. You know. Took his hat off. Took his hat off. Look at the hair. That's the first, first instance of any kind of, of humbling, of, of body language. That shows I'm not the most important thing here. That I have, that I think has probably been recorded in the 74 years he he's been alive. But at the same time, Trump's presidential aspirations, beginning when he was a primary candidate, and now that he's in the general, has shown the soft underbelly of American Christianity um, to a lot of the American people. Because what you're watching, and this was the epiphany that I had over the weekend, and I'm going to drop a truth bomb. Brace yourself for it. You ready? Okay. Okay. See, I... Thank you, Ron. See, I think what we have been watching for the last four years now, since he became a serious presidential candidate, in June of 2015. You've been watching the first TBN presidency. This is the first TBN presidency. And for every moment that you get something like this, if you have DirecTV, it's channel 372. I don't know where it's at on Dish or all your cable networks. But a lot of these other Christian television networks are out of the same mold. You know, we did Theology Thursday. We started the series, Five Dumb Things Smart People Believe. And the very first thing we went after was this canard called this Word of Faith movement. And not everybody who believes in this is, is crossed totally over into heresy. Copeland would be one, though, that I would say has. And this is where we get the so-called prosperity gospel stuff from. Okay? And if you watch TBN... What you'll see is four or five shows that, I mean, if you donate to, if, you, if you're giving your money to a guy named Creflo Dollar who tells you you'll be skinny and rich if you give him money, then I really don't feel much sympathy for you. Like the devil's trolling you. His name's Dollar, guys. Dollar. Okay? To me, that's not, you're not being scammed. You paid the stupid tax, as far as I'm concerned. I, I got no sympathy for you at all. You know, stupid is as stupid does. I mean, I, thank you, Mr. Gump. All right? But if you watch those, most of those channels, this is one of the reasons NRB started their own channel, was to push back against this. 
If you watch most of those channels, what you'll see are two, three, or four, over the course of their broadcast days, things that represent real orthodoxy. And in and around them, mostly are things like this Kenneth Copeland stuff, Paula White, who's the president's official spiritual advisor. She's big into this garbage too, okay? I mean, she's a hack, total heretical hack. And if you look at the president's evangelical advisory council, it looks like the TBN lineup. Two, three, four, five examples of people that you'd stand in the gap with and would stand in the gap for you. And then the rest of them are name it, claim it, Kenneth Copeland types, Paula White types. Jesus told me that uh, you have to pay for my jet airplane kind of stuff. And this is another chapter. You know, Kenneth Copeland's been running this scam for decades. How come Inside Edition just now chose to come up to him? First of all, I didn't know Inside Edition was even still on television. So thank you for that breaking news, Aaron. You bet. But there's another reason here too, and that is these people are all out in the open now as vocal Trump supporters. So for every James Dobson you have, there's, there's a half dozen of these people. And that's very reminiscent of the TBN lineup. What you're watching here is the first TBN presidency. And ironically, it's from a guy who by his own admission, I believe he's the first president to publicly admit he's not a Christian. Well, Steve, how can you say that? Well, he has publicly said, I've never asked God for forgiveness. What's the first step in the walk of the Christian life, guys? Repentance. I mean, it can't be a redemption without a repentance. So by his own admission, at least the last time the subject has come up. Um, and, and so what I think is fascinating about this is this is why I'm not as offended by a lot of this stuff. I mean, I find it gross and disgusting. But I've also been up against this kind of stuff for years and years and years, pushing back on it. Most of the American people, or if you, if you exist outside of evangelical circles, you're kind of seeing this stuff for the first time. Because you don't watch these channels, you don't tune into them, you know, you don't have a clue. But out here in the evangelical, uh, you know, secret Ovaltine Dakota ring circles, we know who all these hacks are. And what's happened is they've all now been brought to light. And this goes again to Donald Trump is, has been the single greatest exposer and clarifier of hackery than I have ever seen in my lifetime. I mean, I, he both exposes and attracts these kinds of people. And, and, and that's why, even if you don't like that aspect of him, the fact now that all these people are out in the open, he's doing you a solid. Like, I, keep get, I get an email almost every day about having Joel Osteen over my shoulder. Yeah. And I'm so happy about that. Now, it's there because an evangelist friend of mine, Todd Friel, sent this to me several years ago as a gag gift. But we, I put it there. And it's over my shoulder to trigger you. He's the patron saint of these people, by the way. Okay. I, I put him there to trigger you. And I am, I am delighted so many of you are triggered by that. That shows some, maybe some discernment is on the rise. You know, when George W. Bush was the first evangelical president, a lot of these things were glossed over. And there was still enough basic moral agreement in the culture. I mean, if it wasn't for the gay marriage issue, George W. Bush wouldn't have been reelected. That's how he won Florida and Ohio. Now it's 15 years later, Republicans are trying to run away from that issue because they think it'll lose them states instead of winning them elections. 
And so sort of the common moral cause where um, the LDS church and some of these TBN people would align together to fund marriage initiatives in California and things of that nature. See, with a lot of those common moral causes now sort of either defeated or gone, all of these theological issues now are coming to bear in ways they were kind of kept hidden before because, you know, we, we kind of thought, well, I may think you're a freak show, maybe even a flat-out fraud, but there's a, you know, a larger cultural issue at play. A lot of those issues are gone. We've lost a lot of them now. They're not really highlights anymore. And so now all this stuff is to the forefront. And I think the American people, by and large, are really getting their first look of what has become of American Christianity. But for those of us that have been immersed in this for several years, it's, it's another day that ends in why you have any quick thoughts on that gentlemen. My thoughts is that once again, Donald Trump is not the cause of all right. of this, which Kenneth I, Copeland was lying to people like this right, long before which, Donald Trump, came which I experienced Twitter. deeply yeah. once again on Twitter. I decided what I normally don't do, ignored it. I dove in. I wanted to expose a few nut jobs and it became all the more apparent. Donald Trump didn't cause this. It doesn't mean you got to vote for him, but you got to recognize reality. We'll come back. Our good friend Bob Vanderplotz will join us and we're going to look at three different examples of public prayer for and about politicians next. More and more energy drinks, uh, the need for caffeine, more commonplace today. Um, and, and that's where the team of top physicians at Brickhouse Nutrition came together, looking to solve what's becoming a, a more common issue uh, in our culture. They wanted to develop uh, the most advanced formula to stimulate more than just your heart, but also your brain and cells. And they came up with it. It's called From Dawn to Dusk. It provides clean energy, focus, and even improved mood for up to 10 hours with no jitters, no afternoon crash, and no calories and no sugar with dawn to dusk there's no need to get anxious when your coffee mug gets empty one of my favorite sports shows i listen to when i'm up in the morning the producer's got to be there so early they literally judge his mood by how many cups of coffee he's had i need to send him some dawn to dusk <laughs> right? if you want to check this out yourself uh use promo code steve that's my name say it don't spray it promo code steve i don't think i've said that since like 1982 uh, use promo code Steve when you go to uh, BrickHouseSteve.com. That's BrickHouseSteve.com. And when you use my name as a promo code, they give you 15% off of your first order of From Dawn to Dusk at BrickHouseSteve.com. I said something a few minutes ago that I think as we transition to this next stage of the conversation here today, at least three examples of prayer for and about our politicians that all went public and all came out this weekend. And... Um, I, I said, when I talk, I used the word heresy. How do you know if someone is a false teacher or not? Let me try to give, a, not the easiest, but the simplest explanation I can for the broad, diverse audience that we have in our, in our midst. If the heart of their ministry is not repentance, Redemption and and restoration. It, it, those, I, I'm going to use those three words because alliteration 
is a nice mnemonic device. It helps to remember things. All right. There might be better words, more theologically precise stained glass window words I could give you. But those three, because of the alliteration, are going to be easy to remember. All right. Repentance, redemption, and restoration. If that's not the heart of their ministry, am I allowed to do this? Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh. I, I, I'll give you another finger if you'd like. All right. Um, if, 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 if the heart of their ministry is not these three things, repentance, redemption, and restoration, and is an ongoing process, okay? And this isn't meant to open up the can of words of can you lose your salvation or not. We've done that debate. And I'm sure it'll come up. But there's no question the scriptures teach to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Whether that's in a macro or micro sense, we can debate that. But the idea that you've ever arrived is not known in Christianity. No, you have not. You've not arrived. You know when you've arrived? Uh, when you take the dirt nap and you wake up and you, if the next thing you see is your Savior, I've got good news for you. And if it's not, yikes. <laughs> right? That's when you've arrived. Okay? You've arrived. It's just a matter of where. Okay? So it's one of these three things. It's, it's all three of these things. And they work together. I mean, repentance is an ongoing thing. There's the macro repentance of, I want to change the direction of my life. I want to, I want, I've, I want to give my life back to the one who gave it to me because he knows better than me. I want to have him guide my steps, right? I want him to cover by his grace my sinfulness. That's repentance, all right? Um, redemption is when he now comes into your life and performs that act. Redemption is when he comes into your life and performs that act and gives you a new heart and gives you a new life. That is the act of redemption. Restoration is now the process by which you go out and live that life. And sometimes you got to repeat these steps because you fall down and you have to repent of the areas that you fell down in your life. And you need those areas of your life to be redeemed so that you can be restored and continue walking in faith. If all of the applications of a ministry, and when I use the word all, that's a tough word. If you look it up in the original Greek, do you know what it means? All. All, yeah. If all of the applications of that ministry, all of them, whether it's a ministry that is very engaged in community outreach, whether it's a ministry that's very engaged in the political arena, Regardless of whatever area this particular ministry is engaged in, if the, if the core message of that church, of that ministry, is not those three things, if all of those things are not done to point back to these three, and they're not repeated on an often basis, they're out of balance at best, false teachers, probably heretics at worst. Is that fair? Totally. Yes. And if so if you want to know... Why some people can claim orthodoxy, but when you you and and you you'll see this everywhere. But if you're but if the if 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 the ends if if the ends of the means of your cultural if your culture war engagement is political machinery, you'll lose these three things, and you'll end up fighting over a carcass. You won't bring those dry bones back to life. You're just fighting over the dry bones. And likewise, um, this is where progressivism and Christianity run into a main, a real big problem. Because the first step is repentance. 
the first act of the first edict of progressivism is you're basically good. So why are, you know, what am, what am I repenting of then? And that's why they end up repenting of, well, my social policy wasn't forward or progressive enough. My carbon footprint. Yes. Okay. So you can run into this, whether you walk into Robert Jeffress, uh, first Chepa, ch- you know, first church of America, you know, of American exceptionalism, or if you walk into, you know, all the leftist churches of, le- of, of progressivism, all, they both have the same problem, even though they love pointing fingers at each other, like that great Spider-Man gif. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what they, they point fingers at each other, but they all have the same problem. They don't return to the heart of these three things, repentance, redemption, and restoration. And one of the reasons you're restored, by the way, one of the main reasons is that you'll go out and share your restoration with others who need to begin the process of repentance, redemption, and restoration. Okay? Everything a church, a ministry does, this should be the heart of it. So as we lay that out, let's look at these three examples of prayer that occurred. And I mean, this is almost providential that all three of these things happened the same weekend. And they really had almost nothing to do with one another. Okay? So this was something Franklin Graham of Samaritan Ministries, Billy Graham's son, uh, he sent out last week. I want to remind everyone of the importance of praying for President Donald Trump this Sunday, June 2nd. We need to pray for him as he carries out his duties, that God will give him wisdom in every decision he makes and protect him from his enemies who would like to see him fall. All right, so what, what, though, what, what, what if you're your own worst enemy? What if you're your own worst enemy? What do you pray then? I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem. In, in, if, if someone just told me, hey, I like the fact, President, I like some of the, st- the stances President Trump is taking, and I want to pray for him, and I think this whole Mueller probe, Spygate thing is a crock, and I want to pray for his protection while he is doing, in, in some areas, what I think is the Lord's work, I would not have a problem with that. Would you have a problem with that in general? In, in general, no. Can you tell me, help me, what's the context of doing See, this See, this at is all? the issue. This is why who the messenger is matters. Because Franklin has become a very vocal, very vocal supporter of President Trump. And that's why I asked the question, what if he's his own worst enemy? Do you guys have permission to tell me when you think I'm wrong around here? Always. Yeah. Do I always agree with you? No. Do I always try to listen, though, when you do? Sure. Yeah. Have you been times you've convinced me? Yeah, maybe I'm wrong about that. Definitely. Yeah. I think one time. (laughs) (laughs) We hold on tightly to that one time. Cling cling to that once. (laughs) Perfect. But that's, see, that's the thing. You know, he needs, you know, any president, and it doesn't matter who it is, needs a Nathan the prophet, not a cheerleader from the church. So what happens when he's his own worst enemy? Do you know what the president tweeted the day before uh, Franklin Graham's uh, pray for Trump's protection and victory over his enemies? He, he, I mean, like minutes, it seemed like it was like minutes after midnight, June 1, man. And he was out there tweeting in support of Pride Month. Yep. So what happens when the president is his own worst enemy or anybody else? See, I'm, I'm, there's a there, don't be a cheerleader be a witness okay now yesterday the president walked into a church hosted by a guy named uh, or pastor by a guy named David Platt 
who is not necessarily Mr. Team GOP at, no. at all, actually. So that in and of itself, the president walked in from the, from the reports impromptu, and that in an, and he walked into a place that isn't necessarily you know doing a GOP voter drive. Are they passing out the Christian Coalition voter cards at David Platt's church dear, out there? Dear Lord, I hope not. I, I highly doubt it. If you've read any of his stuff, okay, he would he would be one of the kind of the reform guys between your age and my age, yep. Aaron, that are really conservative theologically, but can't but don't think they can get to, they can touch politics without getting tainted. Think that's fair? Yeah, I'd say that's fairly fair. Okay, like a younger John Piper. Think yeah. that's fair? Yep. All right. Here's what happened at his church yesterday. Watch this. So I want to ask us to bow our heads together now and pray for our president. Oh God, we praise you as the one universal king over all. You are our leader and our Lord and we worship you. There is one God and one savior and you and your name is Jesus and we exalt you Jesus and we know we need your mercy we need your grace we need your help we need your wisdom in our country and so we stand right now on behalf of our president and we pray for your grace and your mercy and your wisdom upon him God, we pray that he would know how much you love him, so much that you sent Jesus to die for his sins, our sins. So we pray that he would look to you, that he would trust in you, that he would lean on you, that he would govern and make decisions in ways that are good for justice and good for righteousness and good for equity, every good path. Lord, we pray, we pray that you would give him all the grace he needs to govern in ways that we just saw in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that lead to peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. God, we pray for your blessing in that way upon his family. We pray that you would give them strength. We pray that you would give them clarity, wisdom, wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Please, oh God, give him wisdom and help him to lead our country alongside other leaders. We pray today for leaders in Congress. We pray for leaders in courts. We pray for leaders at national and state levels please oh god help us to look to you help us to trust in your word help us to seek your wisdom and live in ways that reflect your love and your grace your righteousness and your justice we pray for your blessings on our president toward that end in jesus name we pray Amen. simple question who do you want praying over your president Kenneth Copeland or that guy? Which do you think would be more likely to spur providence to action? Paula White or that guy? And this isn't to, you know, turn uh, David Platt into the Pope of McLean, Virginia. 
This is to point out who is he appealing to? Who is he? Who's David? Who's David Platt making his prayer about? God. God. It's, it's like who's, President Trump isn't even there. Yeah. Who's Franklin Graham making his prayers about? Trump. Trump. Now, what's interesting is if you look in, in all of Franklin Graham's ministerial life other than Trump, the, you don't see this stuff anywhere. I mean, this guy has been a, a warrior for the gospel literally all over the world. He has some kind of blind spot here. Well, That's just, he's not a Paula White type. There's clearly some blind spot here. That's just not avoidable. It's obvious. And it's in his DNA because this is the book, The Preacher and the Presidents Played Out Again. Yep. Billy Graham, an amazingly faithful man, helping president after president, starting with Truman. Billy played more like that or more or more well, like, uh, hey, protect my partisan friend from his oh, political it enemies. It was mostly more like David Platt, but then came along Richard Nixon. And his blind spots. And Nixon and, and Graham legion. said later in life it was his greatest regret, yes. one of the greatest regrets of his whole ministry. Yes, but yeah. it's, it's also amazing how, look at how Frank, that, that was a very long prayer and incredibly consistent in always making the main thing the main thing. In one tweet, the first two sentences of that tweet that are maybe four sentences long, you're like, okay, okay, but the, still, it's only one tweet. And then right at the end, it's like, you couldn't, it, there was not one mention of Trump's enemies or anybody's enemies. Pray for Congress, pray for the other side, pray for everybody. We would have been satisfied with their prayer and should have been if that was Barack Obama standing next to him. And mm-hmm. not, but, but Franklin Cram instantly made it tribal in a way that is non-biblical. So with Platt, did we see, did we see repentance? Redemption and restoration. Was that at the heart of what he prayed? The opportunity for it, absolutely. Yeah, I think was, there's no question there about that. There was no pretense of anything um, about Trump being, Trump being God's anointed or anything of that, uh, like, he is, like he is God's man in the White House. There was no pretense of that. In fact, Plant actually says in the prayer, please help him see that you died for his sins and yes. everybody else's sins. By the way, that, that kind of language, that's all the TBN playbook. God's anointed. If you watch... You know, all these, you know, all these, uh, uh, you know, the the hacktastic douchery on most of what's on those Christian channels. That's that's there. And it, and what it does is it it it's supposed it basically insulates them from criticism. You know, um, you how dare you yep. uh, criticize it's Rod the, Parsley? It's the ultimate um, Jesus. He's dude. God's anointed. Yeah. I mean, who are you? You're just some schmuck from Des Moines. OK, I mean, who are you? You know, I mean, I mean, I, he he sent me his prayer cloth, and and now let me tell you, after I after I rubbed it, rubbed my belly with it, let me tell you why Catholics and their relics aren't saved. I mean, this is that's what this is, and I would venture that's the that's the longest Donald Trump has been quietest, has been quiet, in a national spotlight, or in any kind of spotlight. And and how long do you think? And I want to give him a lot of credit for that. I think, I haven't talked to Donald Trump in years, okay? But if, if, I, if, if it was in any other situation, I mean, the picture of him walking into this church the day that all, him and all of, his, all of his cheerleaders are out there praying for, go get him, Team GOP, Team Trump. And he walks in unannounced to this church to a guy who's not Mr. Team GOP. And, and gets prayed over like that, that's, that's interesting. Maybe I should stop there.
before I get it over my skis a little bit. Hey, if you're one of uh, millions of Americans struggling with pain, uh, relief is on the way. It's called Relief Factor. And uh, so many of us here at The Blaze have gotten some relief from Relief Factor. I would be one of them. Huge fan of this product. 100% drug-free, but it is created by doctors who can prescribe drugs. So they were looking for something uh, that was natural that would fight inflammation in the body. Because if you're dealing with chronic pain, now if it's an injury, go get it treated. But if you're dealing with chronic pain, there may be relief on the way with Relief Factor and its four key natural ingredients that help your body win the fight against inflammation. If you want to try it out today, it's a three-week starter pack for only a dollar a day, only for 20 bucks. That's all it costs, okay? A dollar a day to start for three weeks. And they offer this because so many people that do this at first love the results they get, so they stick around. Here's all you need to do. Go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. All right, we had one more instance of public prayer for and about our politicians. And we're compare and contrast that with the two we just looked at when we come back here live and on demand here on The Blaze. Stay tuned. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace, Todd, and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-933-93 is the number. 888-933-93. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Seeing a lot of yard signs around my neighborhood right now. Homes going up for sale. Uh, If that's you. If you're in the market to buy or sell a home here, when now that we're in prime real estate shopping season, you need to find a real estate agent that you can trust. And that's where Real Estate Agents I Trust comes in. It's a company that Glenn Beck and some of his associates started a few years ago, tired of real estate agents that in the end just didn't, uh, they talked a good game, but didn't deliver the results. And here's what you're looking for. And this is how we, uh, we vet the agents here at Real Estate Agents I Trust. You're looking for an agent that has a track record of successfully navigating uh, what can be at times a complicated real estate uh, market uh, with regulation and everything else. Someone who knows the data, but then looks for the outliers and doesn't spare the details at the same time. And then somebody that you just get along with, that returns calls, you enjoy being around. This can be a high-pressure, high-stress situation, and it doesn't get any easier if you don't have a rapport with that person, all right? So if you want an agent that checks all three of those boxes, then you want to check out the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, later in this hour, we're going to get into a former federal prosecutor for the Southern District of New York, Andy McCarthy uh, has a fascinating piece over the weekend. His kind of, I guess I would describe it. He doesn't say as much, but if I could summarize it for you, it's kind of his final verdict on the Mueller probe uh, as somebody that's been a federal prosecutor for the specific district that Mueller was referring people to prosecution for uh, there. Um, he's been on both sides of that exchange and that process. Uh, he's started out fairly benefited the doubt favorable to Bob Mueller at the beginning. And and now after watching last week's uh, hastily called statement and the fallout from it, uh, he now looks back over the last two plus years and puts the pieces together and pronounces his verdict on what he thinks we've actually been watching 
since Mueller was appointed. We'll get into that a little bit later on. I want to finish the conversation we were having last hour, though. We had three public areas of prayer over and for and about our politicians all happen over this weekend. The most high-profile one, of course, because he's a high-profile dude, is Franklin Graham kind of getting the Trump cheerleading army together to say, hey, the pre this president and his presidency is under attack. Nobody on this show would deny. We all think that's true. You think that's true? Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any question yeah, about absolutely. that. But, what, but, but if you're going to pray for the president's enemies, at some point, though, he's been his own—at several points, actually, he's been his own worst enemy, right? So who's the Nathan here? You know, when you're done slapping backs— you know, and, and, you know, uh, and, and waving the pom-poms, who, who speaks, you know, prophetically into his life? And, and what you're watching unfold, as I said last hour, is that Americans, you're really seeing the first TBN presidency. You know, remember the, the chick who, whose hair looked like she lost the fight with a paintball gun and I have sinned against you and Jim Baker and all, all that. That's what we mean by the first TBN presidency. And in and around all this cray cray, you'll have a few shows where real orthodoxy is preached. The real word is preached, but, but they're often drowned out by the Creflo dollars of the world. Okay. Um, and, and. Trump has brought a lot of these people into the limelight. They glommed onto him right away. Paula White is his spiritual advisor, total heretic, hack. And yet at the same time, he's attracted people who take their orthodoxy seriously, like a Franklin Graham, for example. So how do we navigate this? So that's one area where Franklin Graham says, hey, I want to come alongside the president and I want to pray supportive over him but never really acknowledge what about the times when he's his own worst enemy. Then you see David Platt, who would be a fairly theologically conservative uh, pastor, uh, not a team GOP guy though. And we mentioned that, that um, they had no idea the president was coming. You actually have more context on this, Aaron. You were reading yeah. his letter to uh, Dave, uh, Pastor Platt's letter to his congregation, right? Yeah, he just published this about uh, 45 minutes ago. And um, it's it's a letter to his congregation that he published publicly. It's a big congregation, so it's public anyway. And I'll just give you the long and short of it. I read the first two-thirds of this pretty carefully, and the last third of it uh, not so much, but I'll give you the long and short. Basically, he said he was wrapping up the sermon for the 1 o'clock session, he uh, went backstage before communion and was informed that the President of the United States was on the way. He would be there in a few minutes, and he wanted to be prayed for um, by this congregation or by uh, David Platt. And so uh, the passage from Second Timothy uh, came to his mind where it's we're told to give intersection, intercession, uh, supplication, prayers for all people, including the kings, and, yeah, and that's uh, what he used to justify making the decision to pray over the pres president in public uh, on that stage. And he actually says after this, the prayer was over, they went backstage to talk, and he, and I think he said a couple other pastors, uh, gave a pretty clear presentation of the gospel to uh, President Trump, as well, uh, and then they did communion, and, uh, communion, and that was uh, that was that was basically it. He did say the reason that he basically wrote this letter to his church is that he knew some people were, for lack of a better word, ticked off that he did this, made this decision to uh, pray for the president on stage at the church during the sermon, and so that's why he uh, voiced his. Uh, and he he doesn't back away. He doesn't apologize at all. He says it's in scripture that you know pray for your leaders. Um, so that's a little bit more of the backstory to this. Yeah, if you're offended 
especially after having heard the prayer. Yeah. If you if if after the way if if you are if you are in David Platt's congregation and after you hear the way he handled his business up on the stage, and you are still offended, congratulations. You and Robert Jeffers are on the same yep. team. Yeah, you are exactly what you hate. And and you know, may his as far as I'm concerned, may his house increase. We need more prayer like that over our leaders. So one of two things happened here, in my view. Either something stirred inside of Donald Trump that said, you know, I can I can get glad handed and backslapped everywhere. I, I, just once I'd kind of like somebody to keep it on the real. And he knew about this church and chose it. Or he just thought McLean, Virginia is pretty close to the White House. I'll go to this church. It's a big church. Not really knowing what he, not really knowing because a lot of people who are unbelievers have a tendency to put people who are spiritual believers in just gen, generic boxes sure. and, 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 you know, broad generalizations and just thought, hey, McLean, Virginia, just like, yeah, that's where uh, Falwell is in uh, Lynchburg. You know, I mean, that's not far. You know, I mean, this is probably another big mega church likes me. You know, a bunch of my voters are going there. I'm going to go there and pray it over and had no idea what he was walking into. I mean, I, I, I can attest to that. When I remember when Point of Grace Church, our old church, advertised for Promise Keepers on September 18, 2003, five months before it took place. And something just told me, I got to be there that day. I had no idea what I was... If, you, if anybody would have told me when I was going to walk in to Kemper Arena in Kansas City that day, if they would have told me, hey, here's what's going to happen you walk in, no way, no how am I going to that place. I got a lot more... Something just told me, I should probably go check this place out. I got a lot more than I bargained for. I thought I might get some generic, hey, be a good daddy, husband talk, which I could definitely use given my background. I had no idea, man, they were going to punch me right in the heart. No idea. So we have no way of knowing which one it is. But regardless of what you think of Donald Trump, you need to be praying if you believe in prayer for more moments like that. That's, that's, you want to change a nation. Give me a dude in a pulpit with the word of God and no fear over all of your direct mail fundraising conservative groups. Give me that. That history shows that guy has got a much bigger chance of prevailing against the gates of hell than your love gift this month. Okay? Can I you ask a follow-up? Yeah. You're of no BS because... I'm with you, but I've got this still small voice in the back of my head. Answer me, what What about Matthew 6? When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. The notion of this prayer could have easily been private. It wouldn't have to been on stage for all to see. The notion, whether it's Donald Trump or somebody else, this is clearly, people like to be seen almsgiving, prayer, fasting. Look, we're doing our job. And we know Donald Trump is a showman. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm praying that because of the power of that prayer, uh, that everything you said in terms of the former option is true. Is my, it's, it's about is my we, level of pause warranted? We don't... We will, uh, should we just take David Platt's motivation for face value and believe it? I mean, we'll never know his mo It's all about the motivation, I would say, behind it. And we're not God, so we don't truly know what uh, Platt's motivation for making that decision. He lays it out like I just kind of gave the 
gave the uh, rundown of just a few minutes ago. He kind of laid out his motivation, came from Second Timothy, um, to pray for, for the leaders, um, not to... Um, he, I does, it's not apparent to me that his motivation was like the Pharisees, uh, where they just wanted to be seen. Because right. Matthew no. six isn't saying all public prayer is bad. No, right. no, no. And, and David, I know you're not saying that. No. Yeah. To ke- always keep in mind we have a broad, but diverse if, audience. If you're here. David Platt getting that okay. call, you know he did that yeah. calculus in his head. You know he did. And a lot of the people in our audience think Matthew seven really, when it says "judge not, lest ye be judged," really sure. means don't ever judge anything, and that's not what it means because they don't ever read beyond that. Okay. So Matthew six is not uh, just so everybody knows is not a blank condemnation against public prayer it's a series it comes from a yes. series of rebukes that jesus yes. gives to hypocritical religious leaders so your question actually because of the con the right context is the it's the perfect question to ask but i want to make sure we make a point of order so we don't think that it's that we're never to pray publicly or we're never to, oh, to, to have, a, have sh- you know show signs of devotion on that level of that's, that's not. not what it means what it's an, what it means is those are are those your signs? Are you doing your thing? Or you don't? Or do you really mean it? Right? Here's the thing. Here's why I don't worry about that. Because I don't have to. I don't produce the fruit on the tree. The Lord does. So no, you're not wrong in my view to be wary. I also though wouldn't. Um, I I wouldn't nervous Nelly about it. Uh, and and even though we're having an explicitly Christian conversation. Allow me to quote one of the great uh, Jewish teachers of the first century, uh, Gamaliel. If this is of the Lord, there's nothing; it'll show sure. itself, and there's nothing we have to worry about anyway. So there's so this is. I agree with your. Well, I don't know that I agree with your skepticism as much as I absolutely respect it and think we live in an age where skepticism in these matters is probably worthwhile. But I will say, at the very least, is that typical of what we see in our day and age nowadays is that is what we saw from Mr. Platt's pulpit with the president. Is that typical in these situations of what we see? No. What do we see? Regardless of who's in office, you're the greatest. It's all about you. you, You're the greatest or uh, get the, get the away from two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Is that normal? So at the very least, and you know what? It may turn out, you know, we may find out that David Platt, something we didn't know about him. Who knows? But at the very least today, did the country get a look at something they haven't gotten a look at in a long time? That's a lot different from the TBN presidency. They get something no, yes. different? The, undeniably then so. To me, I think the Lord is glorified as far as I'm concerned. And what happens at that point on, he'll show us. He'll show us. But I want to make sure we don't muzzle oxes when they're treading their grain. Mm-hmm. And let's not root against just because, no, hey, no, hey no, skepticism no, no. is healthy. Cynicism is different. Cynicism is the expectation that things will stop. I ask you the question out loud because I'm trying to fight against sure. cynicism. Yeah. Skepticism my- is the anticipation that they might, so that you don't get caught off guard. <laughs> right? So, you know, um, be vigilant. But, you know, if you believe that, that the dead are raised to life, Chicken Little is really kind of not, shouldn't necessarily be compatible with that viewpoint. Would we agree on that at the very least? Right. I mean, if your worldview begins with God reached into a, a dark cave, a tomb, rolled a, thousand, a couple thousand pound uh, stone away and, and brought a dead man out of it, right? If you start your belief system with that, the sort of chicken little and, 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 and uh, you know, uh, Nietzsche nihilism is kind of not compatible with that. Now, that also, though, doesn't mean you should be adult. Doesn't mean to be naive, Okay, kind of a wise as serpent, innocent as a dove's thing. And I think your question is right along those lines. But at the very least, we can sit here and say today, 
that through the president walking in there, whatever his motivations were, and through the way Pastor Platt handled that moment, given what has been presented to most of this country, that Christianity is, some of it by our enemies, like in the media and academia, some of it, <clears throat> pardon me, we do to ourselves by promoting the likes of Paula White and Kenneth Copeland or not cracking down on abusers in our own congregations or ministries, for example. At the very least here today, the country got a look at something far more authentic and sincere than what the church itself has often been trying to sell itself as for quite a long time now. Is that, yes. is that at least fair to say? Oh, more than fair. Now, whether this is, you know, one plants another waters and God gives the increase, what happens after this, that's neither you and I's sovereign purview to dictate. You know, all we're here to do is read the signs of the times. And at least, to, at least with that video, folks got a sign of the times they have not seen in public in a long, long time. There's no doubt about that. Now, something else you maybe haven't seen in a long, long time is what happened in Friday, on Friday afternoon at the Illinois State Legislature. This is the third example. All right, so maybe some of you saw me retweeting Lila Rose was breaking down this legislation from live action on Friday afternoon. The Illinois State Legislature basically went further than the state of New York and said, you can kill a kid by any means at any time, whenever you want, whenever you want. And, there's, and, and nothing's off limits. You YOLO. That, that, they essentially did the Planned Parenthood YOLO legislation. Is Except what they, for the baby. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The baby never gets to live. Everybody else, though, you, you get to YOLO uh, yourself at the expense of the child, if you'd like. Here's a headline. And I read through, there's no video of this. I read through this prayer. Oh, boy. Can you put that headline? Thank you, Aaron. Illinois pastor's prayer before house asks God to judge his state for, quote, sanctioned destruction of innocent unborn. And I read through this prayer. Yeah, that's an accurate headline. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that is what happened. Uh, is, is he went in there and, I mean, this is, for folks that don't know what the term imprecatory means, it's a nice fancy stained glass window term that essentially means prayer, praying that God will give you a victory in some way, shape, or form, or judgment over your enemies, your opposition, those you view as deserving of it, those that you view as God's enemies, opponents. Is that fair? Fair yeah. description? Yeah. General enough? Again, other people can give you a more theologically precise definition, but for the the broad casting that we do here on this show, it's, it's close enough. It's kind of pale rider prayers, like... Yeah. Time for justice. Yes. Like, God, we have waited too long for you to take your belt off, and we kind of think it's probably time to break your foot off in, uh, in some backsides. And that is exactly what that pastor prayed, or prayed from right there um, in the well of his own state house to all their faces. So your thoughts on that, gentlemen? Well, I think you should clarify because I, I see it, but I see something people might miss. The difference between a precatory prayer and its propriety versus going back 
to Billy Graham, and I flat out said it's unbiblical to tribalize as he did Donald Trump and praying against his enemies. What's the difference between these two prayers as you see them? Because some novice may interpret Billy Graham. Well, Billy Graham was just— you, you mean the Franklin Graham thing? Franklin, I'm sorry. Billy, Franklin Graham was just making a version of an imprecatory prayer. And, I want, and let me say this. I want to be as fair to Franklin Graham as I can be because he doesn't belong in the same box with the Kenneth Copeland types. Okay. I, I there, agree. There, and I, I, there clearly is Yet. some blind spot where Donald Trump is concerned. But I mean, this is a guy that has taken the gospel to literally to the ends of the earth. Okay. So, and, and we also weren't there. And I want to be as fair as I can again, because of my respect for his legacy and reputation pre 2016. I also want to be as fair as I can that we weren't there when these people actually prayed. We might have heard some of the stuff we would actually like to hear. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. Okay? So we're just going by the way he himself chose to present it and many of his allies In a very public forum. Yes. In a very public way. Yes. That's all we can go by. Yes. So with all those disclaimers to be as fair as I can be, okay, to someone whose overall ministry I have a, a, a respect for and have supported in the past, the difference would be that what that pastor in Illinois is doing is moving God to uphold his law. Saying that, you know, you have been patient long enough. And what, he's not being a respecter of persons. He's not, it's just yes, justice right. now. Yes. What is being presented, and again, we weren't there. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear every prayer. We don't know. But the way that this was sold and presented is you're moving God specifically Correct. to uphold one singular politician. Correct. That would be a major... Is that a difference? Kind of. <laughs> it's kind of a biggie. Um, yes, it's kind of a biggie. All right? So... And when that politician is Donald Trump, you know? I mean, again, it brings up... You need to have a healthy skepticism. Here, you, you do, but let me, let me posit something that is I don't know is true but is a perfectly, I think, plausible scenario of what went down here. If Franklin Graham grabbing the pom-poms for Trump prompted Trump, who otherwise might have never visited this church, and just thought, hey, man, these it's the evangelicals, they love me. And he strolls in there, okay? And he's got Christian ministers backstage giving him the gospel message, um, he's having the plan of salvation shared with him on a public forum where he is sitting, he is silent and humbled for at least that. That's what three minutes. That's probably the yes. longest he's been silenced and humbled in how many years, his entire adult life, maybe. Okay. If, if what came out of what Franklin Graham started was that moment, think it was worth it. I think probably so. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm leaning, I absolutely All lean things work together for direction. the glory of God yes. and for those called according to his yes. purposes. Yeah. Or this was merely providential trolling. You, you think, yeah, you think uh, all, of, uh, all of my children are, uh, you know, just your footstool? Well, we'll actually give you a run for your money, money there, Mr. President. Yeah. But see, I think God, you know, even when God trolls, I think it's redemptive. Oh, sure. I don't think God is cynical. No. Like, I think, I think, you know, I think it's to get us to look at how stupid we are really behaving and acting. You know, so here's the thing I want to make sure. And I, and, and I'm, it's the same thing I said when he became president, but this is a far more important context. Do not root for failure. 
don't be adult. Don't be a sheeple, okay? But the opposite of being a sheeple is rooting for failure. Do not root against Donald Trump or anybody else's redemption. Don't do that. Don't root for him to be a bad president. Don't be disappointed that they didn't find any Russian collusion. You don't know enough bad stuff about Donald Trump already. And if you're in that area, you're not principled. You are exactly like the shills of his, the brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs that you of his that you like to call out, who just, you know, do nothing but go on cable news all day talking about how he's the hostess with the mostest. You're not holding anything up. You're the other side of their coin. And you're tearing yourself down in the process because your yeah. idols are just growing out yeah. of control. Skepticism's healthy. Cynicism is, is rot gut. It'll destroy a soul. It eats away at you. All right? Don't be a fool. But don't be a douche either, man. Seriously. Okay? Don't root against redemptions. Yeah, I just saw somebody tweet at Todd who said, uh, we're not talking about real issues. So, yeah, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Actually, this is the biggest issue of them all. Yes, it is. There could be no bigger uh, issue. It's why I keep asking this. questions about it. It's, yeah. This has been fascinating. Yeah, I, I did not know we were going to carry this conversation for well over an hour, <laughs> actually. And I've gotten several emails from people, keep going, keep going. Um, but I made a promise, and we will get to it. Uh, right after we tell you about Riduzone, who knows that you would be creepy uh, if you kept a stoplight at your at your dinner table telling you when it's time to stop eating. Here's the good news. Uh, nature, your creator, put one in your body. It's called OEA. It's a signal that goes from the gut to the brain that says we're full here, we are, can be done eating, and move along. The problem is, for some of us, that signal's just not as strong as it needs to be, particularly as we get older. Uh, it can diminish as well, and that's where Riduzone comes in. It is not a stimulant. Not full of chemicals, not loaded with caffeine. All it, uh, it really does is put the OEA, uh, boost that signal, put the OEA back in your body at the level it's supposed to to help you get your metabolism working the way it did back when you could, remember when you can almost eat anything you wanted and never gain weight? You see, you kind of still can, depending on how much of it you eat, all right? And so that's where Riduzone comes in. If you want to give this a shot, use my name as a promo code, Steve, when you go to Riduzone.com and they'll give you a special offer, okay? R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for Riduzone.com. That's Riduzone.com. You guys have any final thoughts before we turn the page here to Andrew McCarthy's final verdict on what he saw, what he believes the Mueller probe was this entire time? Anything at all that needs to be said, any loops that need to be closed before we move. When uh, Len Dawson was still doing the color commentary for uh, the Chiefs Radio Network, uh, every every single time he gave Len's uh, Len's tools uh, for victory or, or you know clues for winning or whatever the three top things the Chiefs needed to do any day any day uh, to win a game, the number one would always be. Do your job. Do your job. Do your every single week, every single opponent they played. Do your job uh, is is the number one thing. He just said, you know, each guy needs to do their job in the in the field. If it is true that David Platt um, took that opportunity, I'm I'm, take, I'm 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 putting away the prayer. I'm not even thinking talking about the prayer. What stands out to me is backstage. If it is true that he and another pastor clearly presented the gospel given the opportunity to do so, 
to the president of, of the United States. Uh, he did his job. I, I really do believe that. He, he did his job. Uh, that's, uh, th- that, is the, uh, that is the crux of the, the Christian uh, life and the Christian faith. Uh, that is the great commission, is to go and make more disciples. And how do you do that without actually presenting the gospel, even if it is to a world leader? Like the president, so I just want to—I just want to put that out there. Uh, prayer aside, motivations aside, um, if he presented the gospel, then the rest of that I think is on God. I mean, uh, you know, one plants another waters. God gives the increase. That—that is—that is he did his job. And just because obviously people are dead set on misconstruing uh, the things we talk about, my skepticism is not inherently about Donald Trump or the Protestant lineup we just talked about just last week. I'm sitting there, that's my quarterback with Pope Francis because he reset his uh, assertion that committing an abortion is like hiring a hitman. You can't message better than that. You can't message better than that. Yet, like days later, he was talking about uh, how we need to understand gay couples better, and I'm just like, so th- that's Skepticism what, I, is what, that's you what I'm breakfast. talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, we must not drink any Kool-Aid, period. And that's why I kept asking questions, because I know when the three of us talk these things out, iron usually sharpens iron, and it's worth all of our times to keep going. To me, skepticism is chewing the meat and spitting out the bones. Cynicism is the rejection of the meat to complain about the bones think that's fair and breaking your teeth on the bones yes as well. choking on them choking yeah. on the bones yeah by the way you know what you ought to do with our show the exact same healthy skepticism yep chew the chew the meat spit out the bones we're wrong all the time most of the time when we're wrong we're not even aware that we're wrong you know why we're wrong you know when we're wrong all the well i don't want to say all the time but we're wrong plenty if we're wrong all the time then somebody else should be doing this but um if we're wrong plenty of times you know why we're wrong plenty of times? Because we're people. Because <laughs> I'm Steve, you're Todd, I'm a kid born to a 15-year-old mom. You studied sociology at the University of Wisconsin, correct? I did. Okay, all right, correct. And you're a millennial. So, I mean, the idea, the, 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 all of the major crosses we had to bear <laughs> to get here... Okay, I mean, you know, you should view our show the same way, you know? So that's one of the reasons why we try to be transparent and hold ourselves accountable. And it's also why I want to get to Andy McCarthy's piece in the National Review. Because I'm going to sit on here and I'm going to kvetch about how this has been the most frustrating story I've ever covered. And I, cause it's like the truth is unattainable. And like the very next day, it's like he wrote this column for me, although we don't even know each other. But I felt like, dude, he actually wrote this like for me. Trying to put all the connect all the dots and put all the pieces of the puzzle together. What is it we've actually been watching the last couple of years? We're going to talk about that here next on the Blaze. Stay tuned. Hey, do you have itchy ears, ear pain, or that plugged up feeling? Are you constantly asking people to repeat themselves? Have you answered? Yes to any of those questions. Sounds like you could be like millions of Americans forced to go to a doctor visit sometime this year for one of those pesky ear cleanings. But what if I could save you from all of that and you can DIY it in the comfort and convenience of your own home instead and now without a prescription as well? 
That's where WaxRx comes in. It's a physician-developed technology that uh, safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes the ear with a pH-conditioned formula just like the pros do. But now you can do it as well right there in the comfort and convenience of your own home. You can try the WaxRx system risk-free today. Just go to usewaxrx.com. That's the website, usewaxrx.com. And then when you go there to check out, use the offer code radio, and they will put in some uh, free shipping for you as well. So you'll save some uh, some bucks on the back end there too. All right, usewaxrx.com, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. All right, so... We have a rule about the overtime. It's just for our subscribers and what's said in the overtime stays in the overtime, all right? Without getting into specifics, one of the things we 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 kind of all, you know, laid our threads bare about the Russian collusion, Mueller story, you know, and I described why I thought this was the most frustrating story I've ever covered in my career. I get up the next morning on a Saturday and it's like Andrew McCarthy at Nash Review wrote this piece for me. Uh, Andy is a former uh, federal prosecutor and it was with the Southern District of New York. So, I mean, this is the district that was the referring district for the Mueller probe. This is where Michael Cohen was referred mm-hmm. to for prosecution. Uh, several of the other folks that you saw also that received indictments and the like came out of the Southern District of New York too. All right. And if you've been following and, and I've been posting and sharing on social media, a lot of Andy's work on this topic over the last two years. And if you go back to the beginning, I think it would be a, a, a sufficient explanation to say he had a, a maybe favorable is too strong, hopeful view of the Mueller probe based on his past interactions with Robert Mueller, his reputation, and how federal prosecutions work. And, and after the episode last Wednesday when Mueller gave a statement and then, you know, what he said got tongues wagging and then he had to clarify the clarification and everything that's come out of that. What, what Andy writes here for National Review is essentially his final verdict on what we saw here. And here's the headline. The Mueller investigation was always an impeachment probe. He writes, the special counsel abdicated on obstruction of justice to avoid a confrontation with the Justice Department so he could still get his evidence to Congress. Why mention the Justice Department guidelines that a sitting president can't be indicted at all, McCarthy writes. That is the question for Bob Mueller left hanging by the statement his office jointly issued with Justice Department flax last week, clarifying, as it were, remarks he made hours earlier at his parting shot press conference. At issue is Mueller's decision to punt on the question of whether President Trump should be indicted for obstruction of justice. In his startling remarks, Mueller sought to justify himself by citing instruction from the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel. The longstanding opinion and outgrowth of Nixon and Clinton era scandals holds that a sitting president may not be indicted. According to Attorney General Bill Barr, in a meeting over two weeks before Mueller submitted his final report, the special counsel emphatically denied that his refusal to render a prosecutorial judgment on obstruction hinged on this guideline. Naturally, in their continuing quest to frame Barr as the most diabolical villain since Lex Luthor, the media Democrat complex insisted that the AG must be lying. This is what derangement will do to you. I do not think Mueller's contradictory assertions are that hard to figure out, McCarthy writes. But if you were inclined to blame the sleight of hand, the culprit would be Mueller. You'll notice that when we finally heard from him on Wednesday, he lauded Barr's good faith, never claiming 
that the attorney general misrepresented him. That was a point that I made on the show last week. Moreover, the conversation between them on this guideline was not a one-on-one affair. There were other people in the room when Mueller denied that the department guidelines that a sitting president cannot be indicted was his rationale for abdicating. The unimpeached evidence is that Mueller said what Barr says he said. So if you read between the lines, nevertheless, with the media howling that somebody, Barr, had to be fibbing, the press offices got busy. They issued that clarification because the the story coming out of it from the Democrat media complex was uh, Robert Mueller says that if he could indict uh, Trump, he would have. And then they issued that press release later in the day saying, actually, that's not what he was saying whatsoever. All right. McCarthy says that statement's okay as far as it goes. If you somewhat selectively read the carefully crafted lines on Mueller's report, he said he would not reach a determination on obstruction, and he did not reach one. Therefore, the reasoning goes, it cannot be said, that the guideline against indicting a sitting president was the determinative reason. Since Mueller technically did not make a recommendation one way or the other, therefore, the guideline was never actually triggered. So it's a, it's a fallacy, is what McCarthy is saying. But if that's the case, then the obvious question to go back to where we started is, why mention the guideline at all? Because Mueller did mention that and then explain that we have a political process. So let's give the Democrat media complex some benefit of the doubt. It wasn't like Mueller didn't give them any reason. He said, hey, a sitting president can't be indicted. We have a political process by which we tackle these things. You know, it's not like their narrative wasn't fed at all. Think that's fair? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here is McCarthy's theory. Bob Mueller's brief speech on Wednesday was not a matter of reading the lines of his report. It was about reading between the lines. Remember, Mueller's report is 448 pages long. His press conference remarks took less than 10 minutes. There is only one rational explanation for this performance. Mueller wants Congress and the public to presume that if it weren't for this guideline, it's very likely he would have charged the president with obstruction. Maybe not an absolute certainty, but nearly so. And then, just in case we were too dense to understand the nods and winks, Mueller took pains to emphasize that in our constitutional system, it is up to Congress, not federal prosecutors, to address alleged misconduct by a sitting president. Simple as one, two, three. This should not be a surprise. We have been saying since shortly after Mueller was appointed that his investigation was not a collusion probe, but an an obstruction probe. That's what we've been talking about on this show, all right? And that this necessarily, in the end, made this an impeachment probe. As noted, the apparent contradiction between Mueller and Barr is clarified by the timeline. To grasp this, you must first understand that Mueller and his staff are completely result-oriented. If you decided to act as counsel to a congressional impeachment inquiry, rather than as a federal prosecutor, the objective is to get your evidence in front of Congress with the end goal of felony obstruction. Once you understand that, McCarthy says, it's easy to understand what happened here. Mueller's staff chock full of progressive activists, has conceptions of executive power and obstruction that are saliently different from Barr's. The attorney general believes that A, obstruction charges may not be based off exercises of a president's constitutional prerogatives, only on obviously corrupt acts. So here's what that means. That a president can use his office to defend himself against allegations. And that's why going back to what I said, which I agree with and we think we all agree with, but that, but it's also why I said if I were advising Justin Amash, 
he should have focused solely on the president's on the on the Mueller allegation that the president ordered McGahn and others to lie and that they only didn't do it because it wouldn't have worked and it would have opened them up to further scrutiny because that would be a corrupt act. Would we agree that would be a, if it happened? There's yes. no possible good motivation. Yeah, there's for no that. There, there's only a corrupt motivation for it. It's a corrupt act in and of itself. The act is corrupt. Okay. The rest of what Amash is alleging comes down to whether you believe in any context, really, can a president use his office to defend himself? Or do you just sit there and take it? And that's what McCarthy is explaining here. By contrast, Mueller staff believes that the executive bureaucracy is semi-autonomous in its areas of expertise, and thus Justice Department prosecutors are supreme, even over the president in matters of law enforcement. And before you think that's a partisan wrangling of, of Andrew McCarthy, that's essentially what the legal community thinks. The judicial branch in and of itself, even though the Justice Department is not a part of the judicial branch, you know what part of the branch, you know what branch the Justice Department's a part of? Executive. The executive branch. These are all employees of the President of the United States. They all work for him. But the notion that the, that the judiciary and anything associated with the courts and the legal community is sovereign and supreme over every aspect of the American government, which is a progressive notion goes all the way, seeps so far down in that even people who work for the executive branch because they work for their legal beagles believe, in the end, we're superior over you too. The unelected are superior over the elected. And no, they're not. And that has nothing to do with what you think about Donald Trump or Barack Obama or any other president for that matter. You don't want to live in a country where the unelected are superior over the elected. You know what that's called? Tyranny. That's, that's what we fought to get away from, Okay. McCarthy says this drastic divergence on what can constitute an obstruction offense had practical consequences here. So let's play out these scenarios. Let's say that having convinced himself that he had a strong obstruction case, Mueller decided to recommend that the president be charged. That would have forced a confrontation over the issue that has been sidestepped. What are the correct standards for evaluating an obstruction allegation against a president? There would have been a brawl at justice. The report would have been held up while the matter was debated. More to the point, Mueller and such top staffers as Andrew Weissman and Michael Dreeben, who have operated at the top echelon of the Justice Department, would have known that the attorney general would win such a battle 10 times out of 10 because he has their own guidelines going in his favor. That goes double for an AG such as Barr, who's a highly regarded legal thinker, who's also, by the way, previously been the attorney general. So this is in his first rodeo. Remember, Mueller staff is looking at this as if they were a congressional impeachment council. Their objective is to get their evidence to Congress bearing something close to the stamp of indictable felonies. So how do you avoid this whole complication? Because if, he, if Mueller recommends the president should have been indicted, the debate becomes then, can a president be indicted? And it gets bogged down in a legal issue. They adjudicate this in the courts goes on and on. We want to get this to Congress so they can impeach, is what McCarthy is saying. So how do we get my impeachment report to Congress without triggering a legal debate I'm likely going to lose, at least the first round of, at DOJ? And McCarthy's theory is, if we don't press the point of indicting the president, the AG and the Justice Department have no reason to dispute our findings or even take, our analysis, or even take on our analysis of obstruction law. 
They'll be so relieved to avoid a fight over obstruction charges, they'll be willing to let this all slide. And with Congress demanding that report and the AG having promised maximum transparency in his confirmation hearings, we will have achieved our objective. The we in this case from McCarthy is the, is the people inside Mueller's office. Congress will get our obstruction evidence with an accompanying legal analysis that tends strongly in favor of finding felony obstruction. And that will be the basis for any impeachment proceedings. This goes on and on and on. But the main point of it is that Andy McCarthy's final verdict is that the Mueller probe was an impeachment probe all along. It had hoped to nail him on Russian collusion and it didn't have the evidence. So instead, it decided to nail Trump on obstruction of justice. The problem is that creates a twofold argument. A, what's the standard of obstruction of justice for a president? Because I mean, when a president calls this a witch hunt on Twitter, is that an obstruction of justice? So he can't defend himself at all? So then what's a corrupt act in and of itself? Meant the act engaging in it doesn't have the effect of corruption, but the intent of corruption, all right? Telling your private attorney to lie to prosecutors or to Congress in this case, the intent is a corrupt act, if that occurred. There's no other intent other than that's corrupt in its intent. Things can effectively have a corrupt impact without having the intent of being corrupting. Does that make sense? Okay. Oh, yeah. So to avoid all of that, to avoid all of that, and then to get around that pesky department guideline that they didn't think they could adjudicate around, instead they just say, well, we have no opinion on obstruction at all, but let us supply you with our 448 pages of, of, of you know, evidence for your impeachment proceeding. And that, in, in McCarthy's mind, that explains why Mueller said what he said last week and the way that he said it. Your thoughts, gentlemen. And, you know, what do you have to sufficiently prove? And again, this is this is not I mean, this would be uh, impeachment would be in, in Congress, but you really have to prove intent, which is why I think you uh, zeroed in on that one complaint from uh, the Justin Amash cited right. regarding, um, you know, telling Don McGahn to lie at all. And and there's no possible good intent for that. Whereas even with the complaint about uh, uh, you know telling or wanting uh, then Attorney General Jeff Sessions to unrecuse himself from the Russia investigation, even if this is not this is not morally right, but you know legal, uh, he could just say, well, you know, I'm the president. I can fire, hire, and fire yeah. whoever I want to. Even though I don't think it's honorable, I don't think anybody would say it's honorable to just unrecuse yourself. You still serve at the pleasure of the president. Um, so those are the differences between those two things. Um, but yeah, that it, this whole piece sounds like a guy who even more so than I think any of us on this show, for the most part, really tried this entire two years to look and, and, and give the people running the show on the special counsel. Some of them probably Robert colleagues, Mueller, probably yeah. caller colleagues, yeah. the best benefit of the doubt and trying to cut down the middle. And at the end, it's just like, yeah, this is all just this is all just a witch hunt, essentially. Of course, and of, this Mike, is. Can I bring up the sessions things? I said I want to know the context of that. If you are watching aspects of your life getting subpoenaed that were not a part of the original investigation, and the acting AG, I'm just giving a, a, a hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The acting AG Rod Rosenstein is all letting it go. Yeah. And and Mueller is his employee. Is it obstruction of justice to say to your actually appointed attorney general, do this your is not damn Russia job anymore? Right. So yeah. you. No, I don't yeah. think that's obstruction of justice. No. Yeah. Now, I do think ordering your counsel 
to go lie to congressional investigators if that happened. That's an act of obstruction. I don't know how else you would possibly categorize that. But much of what is called obstruction is, does he get to, do you get to uh, defend yourself as president or are the prosecutors, is the, is the judicial oligarchs, are they supreme? They get to do whatever they want to you. Of course not. And of course, you know, the way Donald Trump fights back, you know, you're lying about me. I'm going to lie about you. He's not necessarily. This is what I've said about this whole thing all along. Nobody's necessarily covering up anything. They're just like they're not smooth criminals. And so you just get <laughs> so Miller got we talked about this. couple. He got into this thing. He's like, oh, my goodness, this this is just a train wreck uh, of dumb. I listen here about the fighting back thing. This is personal to me. And I, it's not because I'm defending Donald Trump. But this was r- about Russian collusion you remember back there was a problem with the um the 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 black hoodie sweatshirt kid who got shot by the his hispanic guy walking through his neighborhood and this happened in several other cases Mm -hmm. and they kept going after first degree murder you're going after these guys because they're black and and every the the prosecution always was overshooting if they would have just gone for something third degree they would have got them but they they, they, it was social justice yep justice wasn't enough they had to make a political statement here you needed to go after him with russian collusion we've we've learned in hindsight george zimmerman is not no, He's no, not a swell dude. no, he is not. That's yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's the one I'm talking about. Once you went after a guy for Russian collusion and there's no proof of that. You, of course, a guy is going to fight back. Listen, I got when I got arrested uh, back working for the register, I got accused of all kinds of things. And they ended up getting me for their version of obstruction of justice, interference with official acts. Just we got to get you on something. But people are going to fight back. They're not going to sit there and take it. Hey, if you want to fight back against home title fraud, the head of the FBI's, or their former head of their cyber crimes unit was on 60 Minutes lately saying this is sweeping the country. Uh, thieves are targeting the equity in your home because a lot of our mortgages and home titles are kept online in databases that thieves can now hack. And what happens is they borrow against your home with that equity as collateral, stick you with the payments, maybe an eviction notice, a foreclosure. No bank can help you. Your identity theft protection can't help you either. But for pennies a day, our friends at Home Title Lock will. They'll put a virtual barrier around the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have. If they sense any funny business whatsoever, they mobilize to protect your home. All right, if you want to learn more about this, uh, it's a free title scan and report, all right, to find out if your home's title has already been tampered with when you go to hometitlelock.com. All right, here's the website one more time. Hometitlelock.com. What do you got to lose? At least check. Make sure your home's title is safe your most valuable investment is protected. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. I want to thank Todd and Aaron for today's show. We're going to stick around and tape a little overtime for our subscribers. For the rest of you all, we'll see you tomorrow right here on The Blaze. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On The Blaze Radio Network.